Hello, strangers. Hey, Mike, how are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing well. This evening's guest was a breath of fresh air. She sure was. She was She was what I describe as a positive energy person. Absolutely. Uh, so she was truly a joy to speak with. She came with great energy. She left with great energy. Uh, and it, it was just a great conversation. She really spread a lot of positivity and cheer and uh it was just it was just a the entire conversation conversation had great flow agreed and listeners so we we spoke with emily tonight about body image and emily is a bridal model in pennsylvania and she is just doing some really wonderful stuff outside of her modeling so please in the show notes i'm going to link her website please take a minute to check her out and support her work if you can uh so Without further ado, here is Emily. Tall Girl Media presents Two Strangers and a Podcast. Strangers! Hello, strangers. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well. I'm, um, today we have Emily with us. And Emily is another Facebook find. Uh, who I've actually been talking Facebook stranger. Yes, a Facebook stranger um, who I had been talking to unrelated to the podcast and then was exploring like different topics. And I was like, oh, Emily could be a good podcast guest. So then I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I know we haven't met yet, but any chance you want to be on my podcast? Um, and And here she is. So Emily, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, well, thank you so much for having me on this evening. Um, my name is Emily Tennyson, and we, Jess and I met via a Facebook group for models, actually, in Philadelphia. She has a videography business, and mm -hmm. I actually do bridal modeling. So I was really excited mm -hmm. to meet her because I was like, oh, this is going to be so exciting. I could see if you could come behind the scenes and like get some footage of what a styled bridal shoot is actually like. It's a lot of fun. A lot of moving pieces, a lot of different really amazing small business creators that are involved in the production of these kinds of things. So I thought it could be something fun for her to try. Yes. And that kind of, so we'll get into like where this topic came from, but tonight I really want to talk about body image. And particularly I want a male perspective because it's definitely something that my partner and I have talked a lot about. Um, so I'm interested in Mike's perspective. And then also uh -oh. just that, Emily, you do this professionally. And I imagine your body is something that is talked about with or without your permission pretty often. Um, and, you know, and just being able to have a conversation about like, and I don't want to be like, oh, my God, body positivity, because that's not like that's not always the case. Right. Sometimes we are really hard on ourselves about how we look and what we eat and and or the opposite. Maybe we are super body positive. I don't know. Anyway, so that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, but yeah, Emily, how did you get into bridal modeling? So it's actually kind of an interesting story that you asked me to talk about this. When I was about 15 years old, I developed an eating disorder because I just wasn't happy with the way I looked. And it just started with healthy choices and it quickly spiraled from healthy choices to a full-blown eating disorder. And I was very, very blessed that my parents were just such a great support network. They really helped me out of that and helped me to recover from that. But it does definitely change the way that you think and your pattern of thinking. 
when I started modeling, I kind of did it as a gift to myself, as a way to be like, listen, you've come so far, and this is something you've always wanted to do. And I always felt like I couldn't do it. And it was actually a professor in college. I went to Penn State, the Berks campus in Reading. And one of my professors was like, oh, this, yeah, I think you'd be great at this. So I gave it a shot. And it was actually through Penn State that I started modeling. And for me, it was very much a way of being empowered. And it's ironic because I think that modeling in general has a very negative stereotype. And I can see why. When you watch shows like America's Next Top Model, a lot of it is just focused on the exterior. Ironically, the models that I've worked with have been some of the kindest, most down-to-earth people. The very first modeling show I ever did, the girls literally like ditched trying on clothes to go make like a frozen yogurt run. I was like, wow, these are really normal people. And ironic, I've been in like, I was a teacher full time for many years. I've left teaching jobs over the nastiness of the people that I've encountered. Modeling, I've never met nicer people in my life, which is very ironic. But it surprised me to find that these are people who there's a certain stereotype surrounding them, the way they look, the way they're supposed to act. When in reality, at least in my case, the people that I've encountered, they've just been so positive about everyone else. They're just there to champion and cheerlead everybody else. Maybe I just had a really significantly positive experience, but I was very blessed to be able to say that is how it was for me. You and I have incredibly opposite stories when it comes to the industry. Um, so I, God, when I was growing up, I mean, I'm six feet tall. And when I was growing up, I oh, so <laughs> desperately, I desperately wanted to be a model. Desperately. But I would get the comment of, oh, you could totally model. You're so tall. It was never you're pretty. It was never you're this and that. You know, like, it was, oh, because you're tall. And that already was like kind of, that's kind of fucked up. And I'm like, okay, but like, yeah. I let it go. That's fine. Um, and then was really trying to get into modeling uh, like 15, 16, 17, really struggling to find an agent. I grew up in a really small town in Wisconsin um, and was really struggling. And then at the time, my mom was going through an eating disorder. And I really kind of observed that and was like, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not like that. But then I continued to audition. I continued to audition into college, really started to struggle with like, I would, it would literally take me longer to find parking than it would for people to say no. And I was like, wow, it's, it must be because I'm fat. Like, that must be the only reason. It's because I'm fat. And I was like, okay, well, like, there was obviously a lot of, like, underlying issues I had not resolved. Um, but I, I then, too, was diagnosed with an eating disorder um, and was like, and then I had to, like, kind of face the truth of, like, if I, I have to give up the thing that I'm most passionate about for my own health. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And did that like, did you know, kind of went through treatment and I've done like a few, you know, just like a, a, a free photo shoot says or your like T TFPs or whatever. Oh, yeah. I do um, all, the time. <laughs> all the time. Right. So I, I've done a few TFP, everybody. Well, it used to be trade for print, but people don't print photos anymore. So now it's more like trade for photo, I guess. But yeah. it used to be trade for print back in the day. Um, so I, you know, I've done a couple shoots like that since um but yeah it's it's really it's a daily struggle to like you know like okay like are you am i comfortable in my skin you know and i, I still have like i'm like god i wish like 
I just wish I could have been given a chance to do the modeling thing. You know, I wish I could have been given that chance and and maybe things would have turned out differently. And who knows? Like maybe they would have. Um, but yeah, we've had a very different relationship with with the industry, so to speak. Well, I think it's funny you say that because for what it's worth, I'm so jealous that you're six feet tall. I'm five six. So I'm like on the very petite side. And it's funny you say that because that's why I decided to segue into bridal. Because for me, you know, I'm not really going to be doing a whole lot of runway. I'm tiny. <laughs> it's just not really in my future. I would love to be six feet tall. So when I joined my first official agency, I was so excited. They were like, oh, you're perfect for print and commercial work, right? So naively, I was like, oh, awesome. I'm perfect for this, they say. I'm going to book a lot of work, they say. Guess what? One job. One job. You want to know the best part of that job? My footage wasn't even seen in the final product. I got very discouraged very quickly because I would get all these casting emails all the time. And it, on paper, I was perfect for every single one of these jobs. Guess what? Never got a callback. Or sometimes I'd get a callback and then I wouldn't get the official thing. So it was actually a runway show that I was doing just in my small. I'm also from a small town near Reading, Pennsylvania. And I was doing this show the one time and somebody, another model of the show said, huh, you kind of have that classic Kate Winslet and Titanic vibe going on. I'm like, huh, that's not something you <laughs> see every day. Like it's very, it's a very niche kind of thing. So I kind of pivoted. I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to be six feet tall. I'm never going to be rocking Milan or Paris or these major, major runways. I'm not going to make a lot of money doing this. I'm okay with that. What am I good at? I'm really good at wearing wedding dresses. My husband and I have been together since we were, gosh, 19. So it's 14 years now. So it's it's a running joke. I wore my wedding dress so many times before we got married because I'm I <laughs> for the wedding dress shop owner. And yeah, I got a lot of wear out of that dress. Highly recommend. Yeah, there you go. You're the, the only one who ever got her money's worth. <laughs> I really did. So highly recommend it. But it was fun to do because I have a real passion for small businesses, especially in the wake of the pandemic and all of the revenue that was lost, especially for small business owners. That for me, I was kind of able to, and it was sobering to be like, I'm never going to make a ton of money doing this. I get passed over all the time. I don't know why. And then making my peace with that and being like, here's something that I can do. I can use my time and my talent to bless small business owners. So I started doing all these shoots, modeling wedding dresses for small bridal shops, working with florists, small local jewelry designers. I did last year a stint as a freelance journalist. So I was able to give a voice in like local news to some of these small business owners. And I actually created my own TV show based all around small business owners and giving them free advertising space because now I'm in advertising sales. I write for a magazine, a local publication. So I know what ads cost and it's not pretty. So I was like, how can I do something to give back to small business owners? Ads are expensive. I'm going to create a TV show and have them on to give interviews. And this is free ad space for them every month. So I was able to kind of channel my frustration professionally into how can I use this to give back to other people? And once I figured that out, that's worth so much more to me than any paycheck in this stupid industry ever could be. Wow. I feel like I've just met my new best friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. You've, you're now in second place. That's fine. This <laughs> Sorry, is quite Mike. the, this is quite the bond. This is a good bonding experience. This, this is, is fun to, <laughs> this is nice to, nice to third wheel with you guys. No. Okay. So we'll, we'll pull you in. So, I mean, I definitely want to get into 
the conversation of, I mean, I, obviously like eating disorders and body image and all that, they stem from somewhere, right? But I want to talk, Mike, if you wouldn't mind kind of starting us off about your experience as a man and what society expects you as a man to look like, maybe not to act like because we are talking about body image, but have you ever had any experience um, with society addressing your physique or or your family addressing your physique or anything you want to contribute about body image at this moment in time? Ooh, that's a good, that's a very good question. Um, I'm trying to think specifically. I think guys in general are like maybe will like pinpoint like a specific thing about someone to sort of like, you know how like guys kind of rib each other kind of thing. So like, like I, the only thing I can think about is like getting made fun of for being really, really white, like pale and getting sunburned all the time. <laughs> so that's like, that's one thing I can think of. Uh, and you know, be, if you're short or you're tall, uh, different things like that. And, you know, I remember when I was younger, I, uh, was really, really into working out like constantly, like constantly in the gym and like taking all these ridiculous workout supplements from GNC and all of that stuff. And I'm sure that was to compensate for other things, maybe not being the most athletic person or trying to fit in or whatever. It's like, but I think a lot of young teenage boys go through that and, and it's like cool to go to the gym and it's cool to work out and act like you're so big and strong when you're a little kid. Uh, so that's part of it. But, you know, I think now being older, uh, I really see it for for what it is. It's, it's really just just being healthy and feeling good about yourself sort of thing. You know, I don't have to be super muscular. I don't have to be super fit. You know, I have so many aspects of my life now where I can't devote my entire life to my health. You know, I have my little baby and I have home and everything. So uh, I would love to be able to, you know, uh, be like all these jacked dudes on Instagram and that kind of stuff. Uh, and you know, uh, I follow people that are like, Oh, I'm a dad and I work out and I, I eat well and I, I eat clean, all this stuff. I think Instagram itself. So I think the best I can contribute to this conversation is, uh, I obviously, as you know, work with a lot of teenagers, male and female. That's my career where I work with teenagers and I feel so bad for them because they're growing up in this era of social media Oh my God. and Instagram Instagram makes me feel bad about myself, whether it's people are traveling the world and I'm sitting here in my basement or <laughs> it's or it's people that are super, super fit and I'm sitting on my couch eating pretzels. Uh, so it's uh, it's 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 insane. And I can deal with it because I'm an adult and I have an adult brain, but a not full, not fully developed teenager that can't possibly have the coping skills to deal with that, it's terrible. And, you know, I work with so many teenagers that go to so many schools and every once in a while, I'll hear a story about teenage suicide and this, and I don't know, I don't know the background story of it. I don't know if it has to do with body image, but I don't remember hearing that stuff when I was in high school. When I was in high school, I never heard of like suicide at my school, my district or my town, but it's something you hear about now. And is it due to anxiety because of school? Is it due to social media? Is it due to, I don't know. I don't know the background of, of every story, but I think Instagram does more harm than good uh, for teenagers. 
100% agree with you. I could not agree anymore. It's, I yeah. took, I actually, and it, it, in, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, yeah, last, yeah, you go ahead. In, at the height of the pandemic last year, I actually took an eight month Instagram break. I deleted my Instagram. I was Instagram sober <laughs> from like April through December. And it was the only reason I even brought it back. I competed in a pageant this year. I think, I think that was why I had to bring it back for like advertising for the pageant or something. And I loved not having it. I loved it. It was so freeing. It's, you mentioned you have a baby. I have a three year old daughter and it was very much like, what do I want my daughter to see? You know, how do I not? Oh, how old? How old? She's going to be seven months in a couple of days. Oh, that was my favorite age. Seven months to 12 months. Oh, Listeners, he's a showing a picture of his baby in no. case anyone's what? on the mon on the monitor. Oh, uh, so she's, uh, she has, she has a little bit of a cold. Oh, so like okay. she like her nose is runny. Her nose is runny today. So I'm keeping a, keeping a close eye on her. Aww. This is, this is such a fun <laughs> age. Seven to 12 months was just awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So not a lot of sleep. Not, not, not a lot of sleep. Oh no. I drink a lot <laughs> of coffee. <laughs> so, so yeah. You, oh yeah. You have a daughter as well. And that was, I was, it's funny you say that. I actually, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was convinced I was going to have a boy for whatever reason. And so when my husband and I went into the ultrasound, the ultrasound tech goes, congratulations, it's a girl. I'm like, what? And I had a meltdown to my husband. I'm like, how do I raise a girl in this world? How do I protect her? How do I keep her safe from what? And I was protected. I was homeschooled for 12 years, grades one through 12. Wow. My parents did an amazing job of like socializing me, but still protecting me. And on top of that, I didn't grow up with social media. I was like, how the hell do I bring this baby, baby girl into this world right now and keep her safe? I have, I lost it for about three days. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> and it's every day. It's a battle trying to figure out how to, you know, not put her in a bubble, but keep her safe from, like you said, Instagram. I agree. It's, it can be very toxic for teenagers. And I think women in particular, just with all the yes. filters and the unrealistic body goals. And it's just, it's, it's exhaust as an adult. I feel it affecting me. I cannot even imagine if 20 years ago I had been thrown into this kind of stuff. I don't know if I would have survived. I don't know if I would have come through the eating disorder and be here talking to you tonight. I just don't know. So yeah, it's, it is scary. And I think it's important that adults like us are having these conversations that we're cognizant of the dangers out there. You know, for our own children, for the children we work with, these are the conversations that yeah. need to be had. Okay. I have a question for you, Mike. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so, I, I don't mean to branch off of body image, but just for a minute. So if you have these feelings, why do you post your daughter on Instagram? If I have these feelings? Like if you have these feelings about Instagram, why do you post pictures of your daughter on Instagram? Well, she's a baby. She, you know, she's, you know, she's a cute little baby. So I'm not, you know, it's not like people are looking, you know, and she's a big fat baby and it's awesome. She is. She's so, got a lot of roles. She's very cute. So, so, you know, it's, and she's, you know, I'm with her so much and she's, I, I'm my entire camera, my entire phone is all pictures of her at this point. So it's, you know, uh, I'm, I probably won't post pictures of her when she's, well, maybe I will. I have no idea, but, uh, well, she's my daughter, so you know, I don't. I don't really think about it that way. You know, I just you know, my entire Instagram could, would literally be only pictures of her if I if I could. 
so, so it's just you know that she's she's my she's my favorite thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but in general, in general, for you know, like I was saying before, if people, if young kids, eighteen and below, could go from zero to eighteen without ever having to worry about what their body looks like outside of like health concerns, of course, that would be, that would be amazing. That would be freaking amazing. Like the eight young kids have so much to freaking worry about and have so much anxiety today with how broken our school system is and everything else going on and COVID and masks in school and families and parents and figuring out who they are as people for them. Like for a young girl to think, Oh, I'm not skinny enough. Or a young guy to think, oh, I have to go to the gym and I have to do this. That's re- that's terrible. That is heartbreaking. And that's, you know, you have to, we have to start looking at it as, you know, it's driving up mental illness and it's Absolutely. really causing a lot of problems. Obviously, there's varying degrees of mental illness. There's like, you know, schizophrenia on one side and like, you know, I, whatever, you get my point. But, uh, but it's, it's just not cool. It's not cool. And I think us as adults and the corporate world should do a better job protecting these kids. Absolutely. I think it's important too to to just acknowledge that they might see these subliminal messages from from anywhere. Sometimes they're subliminal, sometimes they're very overt. I remember way back in the 90s, I was really little. I couldn't give you an exact age, but uh, I was at the very first time I realized that being thin and being beautiful were synonymous in the culture. And I never, I never got that message before. I was at a museum with my parents. I don't even remember what the exhibit was. It must have had something to do with body image. And again, this was way before the advent of social media. This is back in the nineties. It, it seared on my brain. It was a picture. It was a cover of a magazine picture that was part of this display. It was a picture of this beautiful teenage girl turned to the side and just like holding her waist like a caliper kind of. And the headline was, am I thin enough? And I remember this little girl staring at this picture and thinking, she's so pretty. She's, she's so thin. What is, what does that mean? What am I? What is, what does this mean? And it just, that was the defining moment of my childhood in terms of body image. And it's just, it's just everywhere. And I think to, to plan on 100% protecting our kids from these messages. Is impossible. So if we can't 100% protect them, how do we shepherd them through it? How do we teach them to filter it? How do we teach them to channel it into something positive? How do we teach them to appreciate their own beauty inside and outside? How do we teach them to be healthy? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 tough, and it's you know we we grow up in a world where we basically subliminally teach people that beauty is super important. That's, you know, that's one quick way to say it is we teach people that you have to look a certain way to be accepted by others. And people grow up thinking that, that beauty is better. And it's never been more apparent today with influencers and social media and all this stuff. Uh, So, it's in, how can we turn that? How can we change that mindset? How can we change that culture? If you don't mind, Emily, it, and if this is too personal, I can always cut this question out. But would you feel comfortable sharing 
kind of your your journey and what led to your diagnosis? Oh, sure. It was just, I was just, you know, going through my chubby, awkward phase as a teenager. And at the time, it's funny, I was very, I wouldn't say very confident, but I loved having curves. I wasn't like obese, but, you know, I was just a lot curvier. And I just, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. And then I couldn't pinpoint exactly what triggered it other than just um, a New Year's resolution that I wanted to lose some weight. And that New Year's resolution just spiraled. It just became one minute I was, you know, cutting out seconds of meals and the next it felt like a blink. I was, you know, my parents were taking me to the doctor and I would have to get weighed regularly to make sure I wasn't losing more weight. And I was chugging bottles of water and filling my pockets with loose change to try to make myself weigh more on the scale. You know, and I I was very blessed. I wasn't uh, ever to the point where I was sent to inpatient rehab. You know, it never got quite that bad, um, but it, it got bad enough. And it definitely set a mental pattern that has carried over throughout my life. I will be perfectly honest. Struggling with an eating disorder made pregnancy absolute hell. Being pregnant was very challenging with body dysmorphia. And if there's anybody listening who might be pregnant or is planning on getting pregnant and has struggled with these things before, please know that you're not alone. I felt very alone because it was, you know, you're just expected to be so happy when you have a baby, to embrace your changing body, to love everything about it. You know, it's not you. It's not about you. It's about the baby. And yes, there's some truth to that, but you also have to take care of yourself physically and mentally. And it was very lonely for me because I'd never heard of another woman who struggled with those things so deeply. I remember nights just literally lying on my bed in hysterics because I could not come to terms. Of course, I wanted my baby to be healthy. Of course, I loved my baby, but I was suffering with what, how my body was changing because I just didn't recognize what it was. And that definitely carried on. Um, I had a very, very, very traumatic birth with my daughter and horrific postpartum depression. And it was interesting because for me, I was, um, after my daughter was born, I was one of the people who my body just went back to normal like that. And so I felt very, very lucky with that. And then it became my whole identity that like I, I lived for those, oh my gosh, you just had a baby comment. And it, mm. that, that triggered the eating disorder plus the postpartum depression. And again, I had no one to talk to. I had no one to turn to, no one who had, that, to my knowledge at that time, had ever experienced anything like that. So I would just encourage any listeners who might be struggling with these feelings, you're not selfish. You're figuring it out. It's okay to feel how you need to feel. Please reach out. Please reach out and get help. Don't be ashamed of how you're feeling. You're allowed to feel however you need to feel. There is no script for how you're supposed to feel when you're pregnant or when you're a new mother. And that is so important. And I wish that I had had somebody come alongside me four years ago when I was pregnant with my daughter and just be like, listen, it's okay. And I have since had the, the, the chance to talk to at least one other friend of mine who she slowly, because there's like a real stigma, right? If you don't love every, every second of being pregnant, there's a real stigma around that. And I was able to, a friend at my church, she was opening up to me a little bit. She's like, yeah, I'm really uncomfortable with like my body. It's like, oh, let's chat about this. And she was like, wow, I can actually talk to you about this and not feel judged. So 
I just think it's important to be really understanding about how body dysmorphia and eating disorders in the younger years, you know, can affect you when you're older, when you make a decision like starting a family, please do reach out. Please do consider, you know, I wish that I had spoken to a therapist to help me process all this. I didn't. And that was a really big mistake because I thought I could handle it on my own. It does trip some wires in your brain. That's honestly, I mean, there are many reasons why I don't have children yet, (laughs) Um, or that my partner and I don't have kids yet. Uh, But it is something that we've talked about that, you know, especially, I mean, I'm almost 30. So, and we're nowhere near ready to have kids yet. And I know that the older you get, the slower your body kind of bounces back. And that's something that I have been very aware of, of like, okay, I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to stretch. <laughs> and and if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't and your kid, you know, bounce back the way that it was right off the bat, I, yeah, I worry about my control. And like, I don't want to lose out on my kids. My, my my infant's experience and the in the experience of having an infant and being a new mother and I feel like I I feel like I almost know years in advance at this point that I'm going to have some serious issues there that I'm going to be so obsessed with my body that I'm like going to miss out on the fact that I have a new human <laughs> that I created. What? I don't think you will. I think it's awesome that you already know that about yourself. That's the first step. That means you're going to make a really awesome mom because you're already going into, <laughs> oh, it with you. your, you're going into it with your eyes wide open. Here's one thing I've learned about motherhood. Um, you really, as a mom, I preach self-care from the rooftop because you will not be able to be a good mom, to love your child the way they do, your children the way they deserve to be loved, unless you're taking care of yourself as well. That is, I, one of the things people said to me constantly when they found out I was having a baby was, oh man, just get, just get ready until, you know, you can't remember the last time you showered. And for me, that I was like, no, I'm going to shower every day. Even if I shower for 30 (laughs) seconds, hygiene is important to me. I'm not going to go that far. So whatever, even if it's a little thing for me, it was making sure I was showered and I had a cup of coffee when I woke up because my daughter was not a good sleeper. <laughs> not a lot of sleep. This might be it was brutal. So those little things, but I didn't I wasn't just doing those for me. I was doing those so I could be whole and healthy to give my daughter all the love and affection that she deserves to have from a mother who just loves her and for whom she's my whole world. You know, so I think the more that you go into motherhood knowing about yourself, it that just makes you that much more ready. Thank you. That's a very good message. Uh, Listeners, you're not aware, but Mike, I believe, stepped away because I heard a little squawk on his baby monitor. So he's not sitting with us currently. But I wish he could hear the self-care lecture that you're giving because I know that his daughter has been what was supposed to be like some sort of four, three or four month sleep regression, but has lasted like four months. And I know he's tired. And every time we talk, he's tired and he's distracted and i think he could use a little lesson in self-care also but he's not here to hear me lecture him he'll have to listen to it when the episode airs <laughs> i feel his pain my my daughter did not sleep through the night until she was two years not months listeners two years <laughs> oh ooh, see reason number 980 i don't have children yet make sure you sleep a lot <laughs> yes oh we oh we do we are this house believes in nap time 
adult nap time is important. Uh, oh, yeah. No, if we traveling and napping, those are two things we do. Oh, and drinking. We do those things very well in our house. We do those things frequently and do them with great joy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. We certainly do. We certainly do. Um, yeah, my my experience with with body image definitely stemmed from probably a combination of my my mom and my stepmom and geez even my grandma so my wow. my mom grew up in a in a house of uh, she she was one of eight um seven of them were girls Ooh. and my mom was the the, the the I'm using air bunnies here the chubby one and she really she oh. really really was reminded of that by my grandmother frequently um, oh. And even as she was an adult who was not chubby, my grandmother would still make comments or my grandma would comment about how skinny I was and that I must have not been hers, like my, oh my, my mom's. Oh, goodness. That's so mean. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this flat out. My mom is also 5'6", and she's 135 pounds. She's not a big woman. Not at all. She's a very small person. And at her smallest, she was probably 115. She's a very tiny lady. So it was never fair of my grandma to say any of this. So my mom kind of already grew up with that in her mind. And then when my, my stepmom came into the picture, my stepmom also has always been very weight conscious. Um, and it's always, you know, it's all, it, they were always comments no matter whose house I was at. You know, my parents had 50-50 custody. No matter whose home I was at, a comment was made at least daily about food intake and what have you. And that those were the messages I grew up with. Um, and then, you know, you throw in modeling and eventually social media into those conversations. And like, it's a recipe for disaster. But there's another part. I'm, we're just going to here's a therapy. We're just having therapy now because I'm just going to let all my shit bear, leave it all, lay it all bare and see where it goes. Um, so my mom entered in a relationship when I was 11 and she was with that man until I was 15. Very formative years. And this this man had a very particular idea of how women should look, act, behave, etc. And this is when my mom's eating disorder from which I'm sure she she quite ha- she quite possibly had an eating disorder most of her life still does. I can't I had. Ugh, so that's another story still does. But it was when that was at her at its worst, um, worse, not worst. Uh, and. When she, so I watched that 11 to 15, that dynamic, the dichotomy of, of him and his beliefs, my mom, and my mom was, you know, she just recently within the last few years found her voice as a person, as a woman, uh, she didn't have one then. And so those were all of my, you know, influences. And then when, when that relationship ended for my mom, she was eventually hospitalized for her eating disorder. And it was she was very, very, very small. She was very sick all the time, had lots of just lots of illnesses and random illnesses, too, that like she couldn't fight because she was nothing. And that hospitalized her. So anyways, you know, that kind of led into when I was starting to struggle with with college and I was very unhappy just in general. And that's we'll have you on another podcast when I talk about my experience trying to get to college. But that was a ride. That was a ride. 
And yeah, so, you know, my, my brain started to obsess over these, this, this, the comments of a random useless man from when I was 11 to 15 years old about how women should look, act, dress, et cetera. And, and those started to like infiltrate, you know, yeah. like infiltrate the way that I was living my life. And yeah, again, like you add in this desire, this, this unachievable goal of being a model and, 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 and there you go. It was a recipe for disaster. Um, and I was very fortunate at the time to have a partner who, you know, my, my doctors tried to put me on a bunch of different like depression and anxiety medications to try to curb some of that. Um, some of those like, other kind of racing thoughts that I was having, but those made it so that like they suppressed my appetite. Um, I, I wasn't sleeping. It was a whole thing. And I had a partner at the time who was very supportive and good for him. Um, uh, we didn't make it, but it had nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. Like, it's, that's why my my current partner and I really try to avoid comments that are hurtful about our bodies. And we make a point, like, when we have kids, we're like, you know, and, he, and my, my partner is, you know, he grew up a really chubby kid. Um, you know, he he thinned out when he hit a growth spurt in high school and then and then gained a lot of weight back and and really has over the over the over the years struggled with his weight and and struggled with his body image and you know like he was told when he was younger like yeah the more you eat like oh yeah you're a good healthy eater but like in reality like you shouldn't sit down and consume 10,000 calories in one sitting like that's not healthy you know um so yeah we've definitely talked a lot about our kids and how we're going to raise our kids and what kind of comments we'll say like you know like your your body is beautiful you know, you you are incredibly smart. Like the words that like neither of us really heard growing up. You know, like, um, you know, you're adventurous. Like really trying to describe someone that doesn't describe their physical appearance. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think it's so easy. I know I do it with my daughter. I fall like, oh, you look so pretty. You know, I love all that stuff. But like, I feel like you fall into those those traps very easily as a parent of just like saying the same kind of things. You know, like. She doesn't need to hear that she looks pretty in that dress. She knows she looks pretty in that dress. She's three. It's all about her all the time. <laughs> right. You know, say things like, you know, hey, I really am impressed with the fact that you can count to 100. I am amazed by the way you just sang the alphabet. You know, things like that. Those are right kind of things that no, I, I completely agree with you. It's just kind of switching up the narrative a little bit with the compliments you give. Yeah. And it's hard. Like you're walking, you know, you're. We're to and this is where it's this is where I, I'm so all over the place because you're walking down the street and you see a woman wearing like a really pretty dress, right? I'm definitely one of those people who says, "I love your dress. You look really good in it, or it really it's really flattering on you." To a total stranger, I will oh, say me this. Too. Me too. But it's like, but it's naturally that's already a comment about your appearance, you know. Yeah. And it's it has nothing to do with like. Hey, you know, like I'm not thinking like, oh, they're thin or beautiful or whatever. It's just like I really did like the dress. But then when you go to like a kid, you know, like yeah. instead of like, oh, you look really pretty in that dress, and be like, oh, you know, like you have to like engage in a different way to make sure that the meaning isn't about their looks. And it's hard because as adults, we want to hear, hey, you look so pretty exactly. in that dress, because strangers don't often say that to you unless they're creepy men, which happens from time to time. <laughs> But like you like want you, but the kids, it's a completely separate message, but it's the same words that we're using. So, ugh. I think it's 
one cool thing to do with kids sometimes. So another thing that I do for the last, gosh, what has it been? Six, almost seven years. So I, years and years ago, I did a photo shoot for a friend of mine, a photographer, and I posed as Elsa. Now I use the term ice queen because, you know, I don't want Disney to come after me because, you know, but (laughs) not equipped to take on Disney over here. But So anyways, I did this photo shoot and it was like a kid's photo shoot. It was all for the kids. And I saw the way that they reacted to it. It So cool. So anyways, at the time, I grabbed a bunch of my friends and we all bought our own costumes and we started, this is pre-COVID, of course, visiting hospitals and schools and doing parties. And what set us apart from, there's a lot of companies that do this, but we just did it as a ministry, as a way to show God's love to kids in a way they could understand. We never charged. We just, if a parent would reach out to us and we're like, hey, or they were like, hey, we really want to princess at our kids party there we'd be and so since COVID it's more of a solo act now but it's it's such a blessing because I've been able to work with a lot of kids nonprofits. I did an event years ago for kids it was a Christmas event foster kids got to see their parents that like this Christmas ball and the princesses got to be there to dance with them on the dance floor like it's just been a really unique and special way to get back and one of the cool things that I think kids love to hear if kids are more like us than we might think when it comes to things that make them insecure. Like, you know, if you're starting kindergarten and you're the only kid in your class wearing glasses, it's really powerful for an adult to come up to them. And it doesn't have to be an adult in character. It can be their teacher. It can be, you know, a friend's mom. Hey, I really love those glasses. So you can make a comment about the way that they look, but it's that thing that they might be insecure about, about their appearance. Compliment it. Help them see how it enhances their unique beauty. And just their unique awesomeness as a person, not detracts from it. Wow. I think that's a wonderful way to end our podcast tonight. Thank you, Emily, so much for joining us. Thank you for this having has been me. a wonderful conversation. Um, actually, before we before we end, do you want to plug the name of your show or your any social handles you want to plug? So you can Go find ahead. out all Thank you. You can find out all about the stuff I do. Emily Keniston, just my name. It's two N's. Nobody ever spelled it right. It's okay. <laughs> E-M-I-L-Y-K-E-N-N-I-S-T-O-N.com. And my show is called Small Business Spotlight. It's on a small local channel in Berks County, Pennsylvania. But I interview small business owners. As long as they have a website in serves Berks County, I don't care if you live there or not. I just want to bless people. Um, the volunteer things that I do as a princess, the Pennsylvania Princess Project, um, everything's all on the website, everything I do. <laughs> That's amazing. You are a very special person, Emily. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on tonight. You're very welcome. So nice to meet you. Okay, everyone. All right. Have a good night, strangers. Bye. Bye. Bye.